Hello everybody, Sean McMahon here. Today I'd like to talk with you about the biblical doctrine of the thousand years, otherwise known as the millennium. Now this is a concept pertaining to biblical eschatology or end times prophecies in the Bible. The concept is found in Revelation 20, first of all. Let's read the entire passage, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the keys to the abyss, holding his, in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now this is the first mention of the thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss, shut it and sealed it over him, so that he could not deceive the nations until the thousand years were complete. That's the second mention. After that, he must be released for a brief period of time. Then I saw the thrones, and those seated on them had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or hands, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That's the third mention. Moving on, the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years were complete. Fourth mention, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years fifth and final mention of the thousand years in Revelation. And it should be noted that after this passage, Revelation depicts the great white throne judgment when Christ judges the dead. Note how I didn't say the living and the dead, by the way. Just the dead. And this is going to come up later in our study. Let's move on. So this passage here in Revelation 20 is the source material for the thousand years or the millennium concept. And of course, what we just read, it raises a lot of questions. The primary one being, when might this happen? Many people have asked this very question. Now, if you've never read the rest of the Bible, or if you're fairly new to biblical study, then the most obvious answer to this question might be, well, unless I'm mistaken, no one's ever seen an angel coming down from heaven locking up a giant dragon, or Christian martyrs springing to life from the dead and ruling the world for a thousand years with Christ. So perhaps the most logical answer to this exact question is that this has most likely never happened. And if it has never happened, but it was forecasted to happen by prophets that we presumably trust, well then maybe this will be happening at some point in the future. This is a common interpretation, and the position is known as premillennialism, meaning we're currently living before this thousand years period. We're living in a premillennial world prior to the millennium being talked about in Revelation 20, when all these martyrs come to life and rule the world alongside Jesus. Okay, that is the premillennialist view is that Jesus comes again, raises the dead, and this inaugurates the thousand years. He comes, he raises the dead first, and then the millennium happens. Generally speaking, this is the result of a literal reading 
of Revelation 20, and most adherents to this view therefore assume a literal thousand years are being talked about here, right? Because we said, well, we've never seen this happen, so it's likely in the future, okay? And of course, there are exceptions to this, but let's just move on. This is just a summary of these views. There is another way to look at it from a literal perspective, and that's called postmillennialism. Postmillennialism takes the position that since Revelation says Jesus judges the dead after this thousand years, right? It says the rest of the dead didn't come back to life until the thousand years are complete, and then the white throne judgment happens. Okay, they say that the second coming of Jesus is therefore after the millennium, post-millennium. Okay. There are also less literal routes of interpretation, such as amillennialism, uh, which basically says that the thousand years are not literal, but figurative, and all sorts of interpretations fall under this category. This is probably the most popular one. Now, these three positions that I summarize are often purported to be the so-called mainstream approaches to the thousand years, but you should take that claim with a grain of salt. Some of the eschatological doctrines associated with premillennialism, for instance, like, like dispensationalism, these aren't much older than a hundred years, barely. That is a small fraction of the church's history, and it's an even smaller fraction of prophetic history if you include the era of the Old Testament. That goes all the way back to Genesis, right? And dear listener, you must include the Old Testament era in your studies, in your eschatological studies especially, and bear it and its promises constantly in mind. Honestly, if you don't, you might as well not bother studying this subject at all because it's out of this era that every promise and every prophecy for the end times comes. Remember that concept. That's extremely important as a guiding principle for eschatological study. Okay, and one last thing before we dive into this all. I want to note that I've already published a relatively thorough study podcast on the final chapters of the book of Revelation. And while it's not necessary to understanding this study, I think it's a good supplement, and it might even be a great preface to this study. Uh, the link is in the description. It's Revelation 21 and 22 fulfilled uh, study. Okay, so let's go back to the thousand years. Let's dive into this. Now, there's one more mention, just one, of the thousand years in the Bible. It's in 2 Peter chapter 3, so let's look at that. And by the way, the passage that we're about to look at, in my opinion, is likely the reason that amillennialism has long been the most overrepresented position on the millennium in church history. Once you hear it, I think you're going to find yourself wondering, in fact, how anyone could hold to a literal interpretation of the thousand years, okay? So let's read it. Here's what it says. Beloved, do not let this one thing escape your notice. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And, and just to remind his readers that he's talking about the day of the Lord, he adds, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Okay, that is 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Together with Revelation 20, these are the only mentions of the thousand years, period, in the canonical Bible. Okay, and both instances 
are in reference to the end times. So there should really be no doubt that Peter is referring to the eschatological thousand years concept and that he's actually debunking a literal interpretation by saying, with the Lord, a thousand years are like a day and a day is like a thousand years, etc. He's debunking the literal uh, interpretation. Period. Now let's zoom out a bit and look at more of this chapter. Let's start with the passage starting at verse 1 and following because its implications uh, will be quite revealing and compelling. Okay, let's start with chapter 1. Beloved, this is now my second letter to you. Both of them are reminders to stir you to wholesome thinking by recalling what was foretold by the holy prophets and commanded by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Pause. Okay, first of all, Peter is basically saying, this isn't coming out of my rear end. This is Holy Ghost-inspired stuff. And it's not new either. It's been foretold by the holy prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, further back to Moses, even further back to Abraham, further back all the way to Adam himself. And then he adds, Peter adds, our Lord and Savior and the apostles to this list. So the message of all these are the same message as what Peter's saying. This is a very important point that we're going to get deeper into later. But let's also think about this last part from another angle. He says, recalling what was, I'm paraphrasing, recalling what was commanded by our Lord and Savior through the apostles. Well, that's very interesting in light of what is written at the very beginning of Revelation. Let's read that. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 and following. It says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon come to pass. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, the apostle, right, who testifies to everything he saw. This is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and obey what is written in it, because the time is near. Note everything I emphasize in that. I said, this is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ himself. And it's not just meant to be heard, but obeyed. Okay, what does that mean? It means revelation is a commandment from Jesus through the Apostle John to the churches. Ding, 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 right? Think about the words we just read in light of what Peter said. Commanded by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Okay, in this case, John. So what I'm trying to point out here is that revelation ticks off the box for what Peter is talking about. Things that are commanded by our Lord and Savior through the apostles. And by the way, there are other apocalypses attributed to other apostles which survive to this day. They're only a Google away if you want to read them. But Revelation is the only one which got the church's stamp of approval for canonicity. And I submit, dear listener, that it is included in what Peter is referring to when he says, recall what was commanded by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Okay? Now, bearing that in mind, let's move on. What is Peter trying to say about this? Right? He continues. Most importantly, you must understand, he says, 
that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Where is the promise of his coming, they will ask. Ever since our fathers fell asleep, everything continues as it has from the beginning of creation. But, Peter says, and I'm going to read this whole thing. I'm going to be reading for a while. But, they deliberately overlook the fact that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world of that time perished in the flood. And by that same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Okay, and then this is when he jumps into the part that we read already. Let's read it again now in context. Beloved, do not let this one thing escape your notice. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and its works will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to conduct yourselves in holiness and godliness as you anticipate and hasten the coming of the day of God when the heavens will be destroyed by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with God's promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, as you anticipate these things, make every effort to be found at peace spotless and blameless in his sight. Now let's stop there. Peter just told us a lot about the end times. And we'll see how much of it we can get into over the rest of this study. Okay? But we're focused on the thousand years right now. And he just told us that the thousand years are not literal. A thousand years are like a day. A day is like a thousand years with God. It's all higgledy-piggledy. It's, it's a matter of God's perspective of time or prophetic language. Fair enough. And we're going to get deeper into this. But again, the question we're dealing with, the, the next question that arises, in fact, when Peter says that, regardless of the length of the thousand years, is, well, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? Well, in order to answer that, we should unpack a bit of context. Now, let's remember... Right at the beginning of this chapter, Peter says, this is his second letter to you. Second letter to you. Well, who's you? To whom is Peter's letter addressed? This is actually the most important question we need to answer before we can answer when the thousand years was. Yes, I said was. <laughs> and we can answer that question with this chapter of Second Peter, believe it or not. But first, we have to figure out to whom Peter addressed this second letter. So let's go back to the first letter, right? Because it's the second letter to the same group of people. In the first letter, he does say who it's addressed to. He says it's addressed to the elect who are exiles of the dispersion throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Okay, right? From Peter to them. From Peter to them. Is this you? No, it's not you. It's not me to whom this letter is addressed. It's not your friend Jim. It's not your friend Deborah, right? As much as we all today might benefit from reading it, 
It is not addressed to us. It is addressed to them. We are not the intended recipients of this letter, but the churches and the regions listed by Peter at the time that they were written. These are the recipients that were intended by Peter. This is very important. Everything Peter is talking about in 2 Peter chapter 3, in fact, the whole epistle, obviously, is addressed to them, not to us. He's talking not to us, but to them when he says, you ought to conduct yourselves in holiness as you anticipate and hasten the coming of the day of God. Okay, the warning about scoffers similarly is not for us in the 21st century, but it's for them in the first century throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, there would be scoffers. Where's the promise of his coming, they will ask. Ever since our fathers fell asleep, everything continues as it has from the beginning of creation. In other words, these scoffers will doubt that the day of the Lord is imminent at that time. But Peter is encouraging, no, he's not even encouraging. He is admonishing, admonishing the churches to anticipate and hasten the coming of the day of God. Right? These scoffers are saying, he said he was going to come, right? Jesus said he was going to come before the generation passed away. He said that the disciples would not have gone through all the cities uh, before the Son of Man comes. Some wouldn't taste death before they see the Son of Man coming, right? The scoffers say, yeah, 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 everything is the same as it's ever been. Nothing's changing. Nothing's going to change. The Lord's promise is moot and meaningless. Nothing's happening here. All contraire, Peter says, it is coming, and it's coming soon. Just as Revelation says over and over again, by the way, okay, in the first century is when these words are written. The day of the Lord is coming and coming soon. And the day of the Lord is a promise, says Peter. It's a promise. And the Lord is not slow in keeping this promise. Do you see the theme here? Peter is saying, ignore these scoffers. The Lord is coming sooner than later. He is not delayed. He is coming when he said he was coming. Okay, And in this context, he invokes the thousand years. Which thousand years? The only thousand years that you will ever hear about in the Bible. The one found in Revelation 20. Now pay close attention to what Peter says about this. He says, their heavens and earth, again, not our heaven and earth, but theirs. And we'll learn more about this later in the study. But their heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But then he says, Beloved, do not let this one thing escape your notice. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Okay, why does he connect these two ideas, the day of judgment and the thousand years? Because Revelation 20 does, the only other place with a thousand years. Revelation connects them. It says, the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years were complete. Then I saw a great white throne, the one seating on it. I'm jumping around, but this is the sequence. And the dead were judged according to their deeds, as recorded in the books. So the sequence in Revelation is thousand years, then the judgment. Now, dear listeners, consider this. Peter didn't say, you're anticipating the thousand years. He said, anticipate the day of the Lord, which is the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Right? If, therefore, what they're anticipating was the day of the Lord and not the thousand years, then why did Peter make mention of the thousand years? 
to tell them that they didn't actually have to wait a literal thousand years before the day of the Lord, which he was admonishing them to anticipate. Can you understand what the implication is here? Can you put two and two together? What this is saying, what this is showing, is that Peter was teaching that they were in the middle of the thousand years at the time of the writing of Second Peter 3. He says, I know we're in this thousand years period that was talked about in Revelation, but we don't actually have to wait a thousand years for the day of the Lord to come. Okay, That's what he's saying. He's saying we're in the middle of it right now. We will certainly be diving deeper into this very idea in the next part of the study. We're going to leave it at that for now. Stay tuned. Please like, subscribe, turn on notifications for when the next part drops. If you got any questions, please drop them in the comments below. I'll try to work them into the next parts of the study. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening.